I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Well, Garth Brooks had a famous song titled, Callin' Baton Rouge. Well, today we're talking to, uh, talking Baton Rouge. I hope you're all doing well. We are back here live on a cool Monday morning here in Auburn, Alabama. It feels like fall, and we are well into the college football season. It's back to business this Saturday for the Auburn Tigers on the football field. It's been a great week of sports for Auburn sports, Auburn volleyball, and Auburn soccer coming up with some big wins this week in both of their sports. We've got plenty to talk about. I'm going to break down this LSU game. I'm going to answer your questions. I put it out there on social media. It said, ask me anything college football or Auburn related. You guys delivered. I'll, I'll answer those questions later on the show, and I'll give some predictions possibly some rankings depending on the time so we've still got a loaded slate we don't have a game to recap this week because Auburn was uh, coming is coming off of a bye but we do have a deep preview to dive into so with that being said let's start it off as I mentioned Auburn will head to Baton Rouge on Saturday night a night game in Death Valley and you hear about there's nothing better there's no greater environment There's so many great environments in college football, it's hard to really pinpoint one as the best, but certainly Baton Rouge at nighttime is is one of the greatest environments in college football, so it's going to be tough. However, two years ago, Auburn, led by quarterback Bo Nix, went into Baton Rouge and came out with a win against really a not very good LSU team that, that year. Brian Harson's first year on the Plains, you remember just quickly, if you think back to that year, you know, the week before was the terrible showing against Georgia State that T.J. Finley came in, replaced Bo Nix, and led Auburn to the the comeback win there at home. And and then a week later, Bo Nix has one of the best games of his career at Auburn and one of the most memorable games of his career at Auburn. Made some fantastic plays, led Auburn to the win over LSU. That was quite a remarkable turnaround for Bo Nix, and we'll talk about him a little bit later on when we get to the Oregon and Washington prediction in our final segment. But let's talk about the present day. So LSU is 4-2. They're coming off a 49-39 win at Missouri. LSU, of course, lost week one to Florida State, who arguably is one of the best team in the country, one of the best, if not the best. Missouri has had a really good year thus far. Eli Drinkwitz has struggled, you could say, there at Missouri, but seems to have things turned around. They're doing really well this season. So that was a good win to go to uh, up to uh, Columbia, Missouri, and to get that win was a big one for LSU. The thing that's holding them back this year is their defense. Their offense with Jaden Daniels is outstanding. Their lowest point total was 24 points, and that was in the first game against Florida State. Their defense, they knew that was going to be a concern coming into the year for them. They were really concerned about their secondary. Brian Kelly made that point. They had to go into the transfer portal for the sec- for guys in the secondary. So, and they w- they weren't sure if those guys were going to pan out. They're recruiting very well, like like always. But they they were not in the spot roster wise. Again, this is only year two for Brian Kelly at LSU, so they weren't 
where they wanted to be as far as their talent level went there on defense. And the concern was legitimate because their defense is really, really poor, one of the worst in the SEC. We'll get into some stats overall here in just a minute about where this defense ranks. But as I mentioned with their offense, Jaden Daniels, arguably the best quarterback in the SEC. There's a couple that you can make the argument for, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one in the SEC playing better than Jaden Daniels. Unfortunately for him, it's getting overshadowed by their poor defensive play and them being a 4-2 and two record. They were undefeated right now. Had they beaten Florida State in Week 1, you'd be hearing a lot more about Jaden Daniels in the Heisman conversation, which isn't fair to him, and that goes to a whole other point about, about the Heisman. If you're the best player, you're the best player. It shouldn't matter what your team's record is. Now, if you're one of the best players in the in college football, if you are the best player in college football, then yes, your record of your team should should show you shouldn't be a 3-9 team if you've got one of the best players in college football. But LSU's not a bad team. And so this is going to be a tough, a tough matchup for Auburn. I, quite frankly, I don't like this matchup at all for Auburn because it's weakness versus weakness and strength versus strength. The biggest weakness on this LSU football team is their defense, is their secondary. Well, what's the biggest weakness for Auburn? It's their offensive passing game. So when you're looking at trying to pull off an upset, the things you look for are, okay, where is a strength of the underdog compared to a weakness of the favored team? And it's hard to find that in this matchup for, for Auburn. Defensively, Auburn's weakness, I would say, more. I, it, they're, they're, maybe you could argue still up front, but really that is delivered in stopping the run. But this is going to be a different a different challenge, uh, I would say, for for Auburn this this weekend. But diving into LSU's defensive ranks, they're 114th, 114th in points per game allowed. We're talking about LSU, a team that is long, a program that has long prided themselves as having a stout defense, 114th in points per game allowed, 116th in yards allowed per game. Opponents are averaging 4.8 yards per rush on them. That could be a crucial stat that we'll come back to. But with with listing those stats, I do think it is important to note they have faced some really talented offenses. Auburn will prop besides their their group of five opponent or FCS opponent they faced. Auburn will be the worst offense they've faced so far this season. I hate saying that, but it's true. The offenses they have faced are some of the best in the SEC and in college football. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Florida State, and Missouri. And those are all very, very good offenses. So I, I do think that, yes, LSU defense is weak. However, if you've also played those opponents, your defensive rankings are not going to be very solid either because those are all talented teams. As for key players for LSU, I already mentioned Jaden Daniels. His stats this year, phenomenal. 1,700 passing yards, 73% completion percentage, 600 touchdowns, and 292 rush yards. He did get banged up in the Missouri game, uh, dealt with a rib injury, continued to play through it. He continued to play at a high level despite that. So that's something to keep an eye on this week. I'll be interested to see what Brian Kelly says about that. Fully expected to play, but is he limited any? Are they trying to be more careful with him running the football? Could be something to keep an eye on. 
Malik Neighbors at wide receiver, phenomenal receiver, their go-to guy, already has 40 receptions for 625 yards and five touchdowns. I'm very excited to watch the matchup between this Auburn secondary and Malik Neighbors. I hope DJ James especially gets a chance to match up one-on-one with him. DJ James can make some more money this weekend if he can shut down Malik Neighbors or at least limit him. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch. And I, I don't know if DJ will necessarily follow Neighbors wherever he goes. So you could have Nehemiah Pritchett on him. You could have the freshman Kay and Lee on Malik Neighbors at times. But very much looking forward to this uh, that matchup this weekend. Then you got Logan Diggs is their running back. He leads the team in rushing 340, uh, 354 yards and three touchdowns. On the defensive side of the ball. Yes, that has been a weakness, but that doesn't mean this defensive this defensive side of the ball does not have talent for LSU. The talent is still there at places, not everywhere, but at places, and it starts with Harold Perkins. The linebacker <coughs> Excuse me. The linebacker there for the for the Tigers. He only has two sacks this year this year. He is arguably the most talented player in the SEC on the defense side of the ball. Dallas Turner at Alabama certainly can make an argument for him. I don't understand how LSU is utilizing him this year. They wanted to move him more into a traditional linebacker type of role, but I think his biggest strength is his pass rushing. So that's why I don't understand the way that they're using him. If they put him down on the line of scrimmage, if they let him get after the quarterback, He's dangerous. So we'll see how they utilize him this week against an Auburn offensive line that has struggled in pass protection. Mason Smith, big defensive tackle up front, very talented. Mix him with Makai Wingo, another big defensive tackle for LSU. Is It could be hard to run on those two guys up front. We'll see if, if Auburn has any success doing so. So the biggest questions going into this game are, can Auburn score enough, and can they take advantage of, of LSU's defense. Kind of one and the same there for for the questions. If Auburn had a really good offense, I'd like this matchup a lot more. Again, as I mentioned, it's a weakness versus weakness and strength versus strength type, type of matchup. Auburn's weakness more is their offense. LSU's weakness is their defense. Auburn's strength is their defense. LSU's strength is their offense. With that being said, as I did for the Georgia game, I'll go over how can Auburn pull off the upset. As always, it starts with playing clean. Auburn did that against Georgia. And especially on the road, it's even more important. It's going to be a loud environment, so limit the pre-snap penalties. Absolutely have to win the turnover battle. Those are things that you automatically think of whenever you're... You always need to do these things, period, to win games. But especially in upsets, your margin for error, and and Hugh Freeze has, has pointed this out as well, is so thin. So you absolutely have to have to play clean, win the turnover battle. Defense probably needs one to two, really probably needs two, based on the, the ability of this LSU offense to score and score fast. And they must have some explosive plays. LSU ranks 118th in pass yards per, per game, as I mentioned, but they also rank 117th in yards per completion with 8.7. So can Auburn find some deep pass plays? Can they hit some shots downfield in in the passing game? 
I think that's going to be crucial. I don't think that Auburn needs to abandon their identity. They found their, their identity offensively. That's to control the pace of the game, to run the ball. Absolutely need to control the clock. So don't abandon that. Don't go all out. Play to your strengths. However, I do think that going to need to hit some explosive plays to to exploit that secondary a little bit. Because I mentioned, LSU is talented up front. So as you're allowing them to play, keep those safeties low, load up the box, then then it could it can make things more difficult for running the football. So hitting a few shots will be crucial. Take advantage of the LSU secondary, but still maintain time of possession. Keep the defense off the field as much as you can, Keep which is really more important to keep the LSU offense off of the field. And then got to have a consistent rushing attack. You hit those few a few shot plays, hit a few explosive plays, you'll be able to maintain, I believe, a consistent running attack. As I mentioned, they're giving up LSU over four point, I think, four point seven yards per rush. So there's no reason, based on what we've seen from this Auburn team so far, they shouldn't have success running the football if the trends continue. Auburn has been successful against both A and M and Georgia running football. Never would have thought. I would have said that before the season started, but the offensive line has done a good job run blocking. So Peyton Thorne, these running backs, Robbie Ashford, got to have a consistent running attack. The defense has not faced a quarterback like Jaden Daniels yet. So for a key in this game for Auburn to pull off the upset, they've got to have eyes on Daniels at all times. I meant he is a threat to run. I thought Auburn did a pretty solid job this last year when LSU came in Jordan Hare. You know, that was a close game, went down to the wire. If Auburn can make him one-dimensional, he can beat you passing. I, I don't don't take this the wrong way. He absolutely can. But you gotta limit him to something. So I'm gonna say keep him in the pocket, keep him contained. Auburn's pass rush has not been good this year. This is actually a game where that might can work to your advantage a little bit. If you're able to not necessarily blitz him and open up a running lane for him, but you're able to just keep him in the pocket a bit and, and let your coverage uh, limit him, kind of force the sack there as you hear the, the term coverage sack. Have some of those. Maybe you have to keep a spy on him some. We'll see. But if Auburn can force him to be one-dimensional, and I'm not sure with his rib situation if he'll want to want to run this week this weekend. So big, big deal there for, for Auburn. And then finally, question I've got here: Can Auburn keep the def- can the defense stop the run with a small box? Meaning, can they just sell out? LSU has struggled to run the football really well, but with their running backs, as far as their passing game, and with Jaden Daniels running the ball, they've had more success. So, can Auburn stop the run with a small box? Be able to keep more guys in coverage to deal with this passing game. If they can, that'll be crucial. If Auburn can keep this game in the 20s, can keep LSU and themselves really in the 20s, they'll have a chance. Can they get it done? I'll answer that later in the show. We've got to get our first break in here. We'll be right back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91. 91. I'm still not quite over the fact that I messed up my intro. I had, I had planned that out for a while, so I'm very upset, but this is live radio if you're listening on podcasts. If it was just a podcast, I would certainly have restarted and said that differently. However, 
didn't get don't get the chance to do that on live radio, so I'm, I hate that I messed up the pun there. It may not be any good anyways, but I, I'd spent some time planning that one, so I, I hate that that I messed that up. But with that being said, let's dive into your questions. I'll come back and finish with a prediction for this LSU and Auburn game later in the show and answer the question I asked as we headed into the break a few minutes ago. So i got a lot of really good questions. We've got some general college football. We've, we've got a college basketball, and we've got a few Auburn questions in there. So we'll start with an Auburn-based college basketball question. The question is, where will the Tigers be in the world of college basketball as we approach Selection Sunday? So I haven't done my full breakdown, preseason preview of Auburn basketball yet, I will probably in two weeks, two to three weeks, I will give a full breakdown because, again, Auburn starts at the 1st of November, their basket, the basketball season. So this could change when, as I start to do more research and uh, on college basketball as a whole and Auburn as I'm preparing for, for that segment in a couple weeks. But as of right now, my best guess is I think Auburn will finish in the top five in the SEC. I think there'll be a four to six seed in the tournament. But there's so much unknown about this team. Yes, you've got a returning front court, but besides that, which let's not under uh, understate how big of a deal it is that Jalen Williams and Janai Broom returned. That's going to be one of the best front courts in all of college basketball. It will be, in my opinion, the best front court in the SEC. But point guard's very important position. You got a question mark there. Two guard, obviously, very important question mark there. And three guard. So Auburn brought in. As I mentioned, D2 guys, they brought in uh, mid-major guys. There, There's a lot of question marks how those how those players will pan out. If they pan out how this staff expects and how this staff hopes, then this is going to be a very good team and I believe a better team than last year. But if they don't, then, then it can be tough. Based on the prediction I'm giving right now, I'm thinking it's going to pan out. That's why I have Auburn where I have them just looking at things right now. But I'll study more into the SEC as a whole, and we'll give a much more detailed breakdown in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. But I, I love that question love the, the line of thinking because I am excited about this college basketball season coming up. Next question is general college football, well, specific to LSU. The question is, is LSU capable of still being the team everyone thought they could be? I'm assuming by that question – that the person means that is LSU capable of making the playoffs? Are they capable of winning the West, winning the SEC? Is it possible? Yes. So are they capable? Yes. Would I predict it at this point? No. I didn't predict it at the beginning of the season. I will say LSU's offense has been better than I expected. Jane Daniels has been better than I expected. Their defense certainly worse, though. LSU was a popular pick to win the SEC West again this season. I don't know if a ton had them winning the SEC outright. Jaden Daniels was a popular Heisman candidate, as he should be. Going into the season, I was not on board with that. But he has played at an extremely high level. He deserves that. I was wrong on that. If LSU wins out, they'll have a chance, depending on what happens with the rest of SEC West. That's the next question to 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 make it to the SEC championship game. So let's just say they went out. Let's just say they make it to the SEC championship game. If they were to win the SEC championship game against Georgia, assuming that's who it's going to be, 
and there's a I there's never been a two loss team in the playoffs, but a two loss SEC champion I believe would get in to the college football playoff, and that could be LSU. But it's going to take a significant change for them defensively to get to that point. Again, their offense is there. Their offense is championship caliber. Their defense is nowhere near that. I don't know that there's just going to be a switch that is flipped that's going to lead them to that level. So I don't see it happening this season. Jaden Daniels, I believe, will be out of L- out of here and move on to the NFL after this season. So what does that mean for the future of LSU? I still think they're in a good spot. I do think Brian Kelly's a very good head coach. I do think people jumped ahead a little bit with with LSU this season. Again, you got to remember, it's only year two with LSU. I think because they won the West last season, maybe the expectations were a little unrealistic for them. I still think there's a good chance they finish 9-3 and three this season, which, I, which is what they did last year. They just happened to win the West with that record last season. So we'll see. I still think it'll be a good year for LSU, but I know what their standards are, and that's to be competing for championships every year, and I don't necessarily see that happening. Who will win the, the West beginning of the year? That's the next question. The beginning of the year, I picked Alabama. I'm sticking with that now. I know I did pick Alabama to lose to Texas A&M last week. And quite frankly, everything that needed to happen for the Aggies to, to pull off that upset happened. Bama had tons of penalties. They stopped Alabama's run game. But A&M made too many costly mistakes of their own, and they let Jalen Milrow pass all over them. I talked about it with the Auburn game. Weakness of the A&M team, defense, as good as it is, is their secondary. Auburn wasn't able to exploit it. Jalen Milrow was. Therefore, Bama came out with the win. So they're 3-0 and in the conference. LSU is 3-1 and in conference. Ole Miss is 2-1. and A&M is 2-1. and And then Auburn, Mississippi State, and Arkansas are all winless. There's a path still for LSU. There's a path still for Ole Miss. And there's a path still for A&M. But obviously, the easiest path is for Alabama. The rest of their tough games, minus the Iron Bowl, are all at home. That was going to be their toughest road test that they have left. They've got to go to Kentucky, but I, I don't think based on what we saw from Georgia, Kentucky this this weekend, that that will be a big that big of a test for for the Crimson Tide. So, but looking at some other possible scenarios, remember LSU and Alabama haven't played each other yet. So if LSU beats Alabama, Ole Miss loses another game because they, they, they have the tiebreaker over LSU. But if Ole Miss loses another conference game, LSU beats Alabama then LSU could make it again to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Ole Miss will need Alabama to lose two more conference games because they don't have the tiebreaker over the tide, so they would need to win out and have Alabama lose two games. A&M, same boat as Ole Miss as far as that goes. A&M and Ole Miss do play each other, not this week, but I believe next week that game is coming up. Of course, A&M and LSU will play later in the season. So the easiest path is certainly there for Alabama. I'd say if they, the second easiest path will be LSU still. So as I just talked about LSU, I, I do think there is a path there still for them, but I would stick with Alabama at the moment. Next question, what does the offensive staff need to do to get Peyton Thorne comfortable again? Very good question. I'm not necessarily qualified 
to answer this. The the Auburn coaching staff hopefully knows a lot more than than me, and that there that is I'm sure though that that is a question that they have been asking for a few weeks, and really we're probably able to hone in on this week with the with it being the bye this past week with it being the bye week. I think though some things that have stood out to me and some of the basic answers that you get when you get a question like this with the quarterback who has obviously not been comfortable. Whenever a quarterback's looking at the pass rush like Peyton Thorne has, he's obviously not comfortable in the pocket. And I think, and I mentioned this the past couple weeks, I think it has been more because of not being on the same page and not trusting his receivers. So there has to be continuing to build that trust between Thorne and the Auburn wide receivers He's got to have the confidence that they're going to be in the right spot. And the reason there hasn't been is because of these choice routes. And again, this is a little bit above my understanding, but from my basic understanding of choice routes is that, and based on what Hugh Freeze has said about them, the quarterback and the receiver, they've got two options, go here, go here. So Peyton Thorne's trusting the receivers to see the same thing he's seeing with the defense to run the route that he thinks they should run based on the defensive look. He obviously doesn't have the confidence, has not to this point had the confidence in the receivers to see the things that he is seeing. So I think that has forced him to hold on to the ball a little bit too long, as well as not being comfortable having the confidence in his offensive line. So how do you fix that? Well, you may have to take away some of those choice routes. So you may have to say, this is where the receiver's running his route, you got to throw it there. It's not necessarily the best thing for the offense long term, but it may be the best Thing you can do at the moment. Quick and easy throws, also another thing, getting it to your offensive playmakers uh, like Jay Fair, Shane Hooks, Rivaldo Fairweather, and then maybe getting Peyton Thorne out of the pocket. We've seen him run the ball well, so maybe rolling him out, that limits the pass rush a little bit, so giving him the opportunity to, to hit a pass or to run. That's not something we've seen a whole lot of from Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze so far this season. Maybe that's something they go to or maybe, just maybe, the receivers and quarterbacks will be on the same page more this week, and and Peyton Thorne will be able to hit a few more throws. But those are some things that immediately come to mind when when you ask that question. So, but again, above my pay grade, so take that opinion with a grain of salt. But that is that is what I would say. Next question, also dealing with Auburn. What is the biggest point of concern and biggest point of optimism based on what you've seen so far this year? Biggest point of concern is what I just talked about. It's the passing game. I, I don't want to just put Peyton Thorne in there. It has to do more with him. Yeah, obviously, offensive line, receivers, all that comes into play. I did think this offense as a whole would be better than it has been. But... As far as point of optimism, it's either it's the defense as a whole and it's the ability to run the football. So yes, while offense has been disappointing, the running game has not been the fact that in year one, Auburn has had success running the football against two of the best defensive fronts in college football. Yeah, that gives me a lot of optimism about this rest of the season and the future. So that is optimistic. And then the defense way exceeding expectations. Look, this week... And, and if I'm wrong, and if I have to eat my words again, I will happily do it. I think this week, the LSU offense, because it is so good, and this is not a knock on Auburn's defense, Auburn's defense will have a tough week. I really do believe that. 
But Auburn's defense is a, definitely a point of optimism because this was a this is a thin defense. This is a talented defense in areas, but not overall super talented linebacker or along the defensive line. But they performed at a high level, and so I give a lot of credit to Ron Roberts and the and these players for how they have played. That is definitely a point of optimism. So again, I don't think this in in this week if LSU goes and hangs a ton of points on this Auburn defense. That's not going to change my optimism because of this defense because I, there's a big enough sample size now for me to know, like, okay, th- this defense is better than I anticipated. So that is uh, – those are my point of optimism. Those are my point of concerns this season. Again, it's flip-flopped from really what I – as I've said multiple times now, from what I thought going in to this season. Thank you all for your questions with that. We will roll into our second break. When we come back, I'll be diving into my top 10 teams so far this season. Your career isn't a job. 91.1. Again, with this these two weeks here where I haven't had a a recap segment and a preview segment, it's given me more time to talk about college football more in general. So with that time that I have, I decided I'd talk about my top 10 this, this week and with so let's uh, let's dive into that now. This could I I wouldn't argue with with you much about this top ten. I think it's very fluid this season. I don't think there's a truly elite team. I don't think anyone is unbeatable. So if you wholeheartedly disagree with with some of the rankings that I have, I'd say yeah, that's fair, and I I may not disagree with you, and you because it all goes into your criteria that you have and what matters more to you than other things. So this isn't college football playoff selection. This isn't necessarily, based on these rankings, necessarily who I would predict to win if these teams were facing each other. It's a mix of what I've seen on the field, uh, the quality of wins, and uh, th- those are kind of the factors that, that matter to me. Really, what I've seen from you and the, the your quality of wins are really what it boils down to to for me in the way I do my my rankings that are don't matter at all because it's just just for this show but for for others you may have a different different qualifications to how you how you'd like to rank teams so again not college football playoff it doesn't matter but this is what I have and number one I've got Georgia I don't care that they are national champions last year that that plays no factor into my rankings this year what does factor into it is their defense is their their talent level is their quality of play. It looks like Auburn played them at a good time because they certainly seem to get rolling this past weekend against Kentucky because there have been a pretty good debate of whether they should stay at number one based on how they have been playing. But I think after this past week, I think it's pretty clear that they are the best team in the country at the moment. Obviously, they've got a pretty easy path to the SEC championship game. They really won't get tested until then in Atlanta. So I've got Georgia at one. At number two, this is where there's a lot of disagreement and where you can make an argument for a lot of teams here. I've got Florida State because of, really because of their two big wins, because of their win over LSU in week one and because they went on the road and won at Clemson. Look, I know everyone's written Clemson off and into the dynasty and there's plenty of fair criticisms for Clemson. I'm not going to get into that, but still... That's a tough place to go, and that's still a good football team. To go there and get that win is very good for Florida State. So based on the quality of wins, you could even make an argument for Florida State at number one, but I got, I've got i got them at number two. 
And number three, I've got Ohio State. I wouldn't necessarily predict Ohio State to beat some of the teams I've got ranked below them, but their talent level is there. They've got arguably the most talented wide receiver room in college football, and their defense is playing really well. Their defense is finally playing at a championship level. It hasn't in years past, especially under Ryan Day, but Jim Knowles there in his second year at Ohio State's done a very good job. They've got to continue to develop offensively and grow offensively with, with quarterback Kyle McCord. But I give them a lot of credit for that win at Notre Dame to come back and to get that victory there. So I've got them at number three. At number four, I wouldn't have thought I would be saying this last week, but I've got Oklahoma. How can you argue with that win over Texas? I mean, their offense has been great all year, so but they were not playing the the toughest of competition competition so that's always a knock on the team but they played a very good Texas team and they beat them and so more than likely we'll see this matchup again in the Big 12 championship game Oklahoma's schedule I mean it's a breeze it, it truly is the rest of the rest of the season for them so I don't see them losing a game so they're they very well more than likely will go undefeated in the regular season and probably based on Texas's schedule will face off with them again this time in Jerry World for the Big 12 championship game. At number five, I've got Michigan. This this is where, if you're a Michigan fan, where you might might disagree with me, have a little controversy. Me having Oklahoma at four might might cause a little controversy as well. But I've got Michigan at five. Their schedule's been extremely weak. They haven't looked very impressive, but we know J.J. McCarthy is extremely talented. We know the Michigan defense is going to be good. We know their offensive line is going to be good. So I don't like to use the who have they beat against them too much because they they are a very good team, but they don't have the quality of wins yet that I'd like to see. So that's why I have them at five, and that's why I put Oklahoma there at four. Same reason I've got Washington at six. Again, I might want favor Washington over uh, Oklahoma or Ohio State even, but the quality of competition has not been great. Michael Penix, however, you could argue is leading the Heisman Trophy conversation. He's been phenomenal there. So I've got Washington at 6 and Oregon at 7. These two play each other this weekend. I'll make a prediction on that shortly. Both have phenomenal offenses. Both have played not the stiffest of competition. So I don't want to talk too much about those two teams because I am predicting that game. So I'll save my talk for them, for that, for those two teams a little bit later on. At number 8, I've got Penn State. They, they've got a good win over Iowa, but, I mean, Iowa's offense leaves a lot to be desired. Looking forward to seeing Penn State play some stiffer competition as well. You'll, you'll notice that's a trend here. So, still a lot to be seen there for Penn State. They are very confident in their team, though. Drew Aller, very talented quarterback there. So, excited to see more from them. At number nine, I've got Texas. I still think Texas is one of the best teams in college football. So number nine is not really. If I were to rank just based on who I think is the best, I would not have Texas at number nine. Simply got them there because they've got a loss. And so therefore, I I, I don't want to put undefeated teams behind them. But I, I would predict Texas over a lot of teams. I've got ranked above them right now. Then number 10, I've got Alabama. They're still outside the top 10, I believe in the AP poll, but I've got Alabama at 10 behind Texas. 
because obviously Texas Texas beat them. So that is my top ten. There again, I would not argue with you as you had something different. Very very fluid right now, but that's kind of where I would have things if I was a voter in the AP poll. I reckon this week, which of course I am not. Talking tumors has not made it that that far. Hope maybe maybe one day we'll, we'll make it high enough up in in the rankings to to get a vote in the AP poll. But there there is a lot. It is tough. It truly is tough. There's no perfect way to do rankings. Some people do ratings, which is strictly based on who would be favored against whom. And then you have, of course, you have the college football playoff, which takes in a, which takes in a lot of factors between eye tests, computers, analytics, all that. Again, th- there's just there's not a perfect way for rankings. So people complain about the AP poll, and I understand there's a lot of reasons to complain about it. A lot of times the the rankings don't make sense when there's not a cl- and there's not a clear criteria for the AP poll, and you, but it doesn't it doesn't factor into who makes the playoffs because there there always is the balance of because not everyone's equal it's not all equal who everyone plays is not equal so that's what makes it so challenging to have fair fair rankings because you've got like like I mentioned Washington hasn't played the schedule that Florida State has played so far this year that LSU has played so far this year heck maybe LSU would beat Washington but they have two losses so it, it just it's so hard and so to balance the your record versus versus your schedule and and the eye tests and so many things go into it and so there's never going to be a perfect system to for the college football playoff there's, there's never going to be a perfect system for the AP poll but that's just my best guess based on the criteria I've set for myself that's how I have it right now All right, we'll take our final break, and when we return, we'll dive into Week 7 predictions. Stay tuned. COVID-19. Welcome back to our final segment of this week's show of Talking Tumors. Been been a fun show so far. I've enjoyed getting to talk more college football in general because coming up these next few weeks, we will be, though, back locked into plenty of Auburn talk, especially when basketball starts getting going. It'll be really jam-packed between talking basketball and talking football here. But let's get to some Week 7 predictions. Should be a really good week of college football. Let's start with Miami at North Carolina. I'm sure you all saw the crazy, it does not do it justice, ending to the Miami-Georgia Tech game this past weekend. Miami decided not to take a knee to end the game. They ran the ball. They fumbled it. Georgia Tech recovered. Georgia Tech goes on to score a touchdown to win simply because Miami didn't want to take a knee and run out in the clock. It, it, it was a quite baffling and inexcusable coaching decision from Mario Cristobal from a team that was undefeated, had a big win over Texas A&M. They're heading to a big game this weekend against undefeated North Carolina. They will be in Chapel Hill for this one. This is tough because... The ACC is still on the line here. Florida State is going to be in the ACC championship game, barring some crazy outcome the rest of the season. But who plays them is up for grabs. Louisville is undefeated still. North Carolina is undefeated still. But Miami is still definitely in this race in the, in the ACC if they can get this win this weekend. Now, if they go to two losses, probably not. But if they can get this win at North Carolina, they will still have a have a good shot at making it to the ACC championship game. 
they're going to be desperate. The, the, the Miami team you saw, because it wasn't a good game, period, from them. From what we've seen from this Miami offense, that was a setback this past week against Georgia Tate, the fact that it was even 20-17 to to finish the game off at home, nonetheless. This is going to be a desperate Miami team this weekend at North Carolina. North Carolina defense seems that it has improved in year two under Gene Chizik as the defensive coordinator. But they'll get their biggest test against Tyler Van Dyke in this Miami offense this weekend. If it truly has improved with the way that this North Carolina offense plays and the, the talent that they have uh, on this offense, I like UNC in this game. I've gone back and forth because Miami is going to be desperate because of that loss last weekend, because they're going to be extremely motivated uh, because of that loss last weekend. I wanted to go with with Miami, but I, I just can't go against North Carolina and Drake May if the defense, which I think it has, has improved. I think they'll get the win at home. Again, this I just was a last-minute flip for me. I was, I was leaning Miami, but I'm going to go UNC in this one. Missouri at Kentucky. You could argue this is the battle for the second-best team in the SEC East, both coming off losses. Of course, a tough loss for Missouri at home against LSU. Had a chance to win that one. Couldn't get it done. Kentucky was undefeated and then just got drugged by Georgia in Athens. What is their response like? They're back at home. I think it'll be a really good response from UK. But they're going to have to go up against a very good offense with Brady Cook and Luther Burden. Luther Burden is a guy who honestly should be in the Heisman conversation. Not saying he should necessarily win it, but he has gone for over 100 yards in pretty much every game this season. He was like just under like 96 or something in the first game. And Brady Cook has been able to find him. That's the Missouri quarterback, and they've had a lot of success. Their defense still leaves a lot to be desired there. If Kentucky has success running the football on them like they did Florida two weeks ago, and they're able to control the clock and keep it, keep the ball away from Missouri in that offense, then I like UK in this game. I think they'll respond well. This is a very good program. Mark Stoops does an excellent job. But there, there's a ceiling at Kentucky. There just is. And, and Kentucky fans know this. Yes, they, they'd rather not see their team get drugged, and they'd rather have seen an upset, but they understand there's a ceiling to the talent level that you can get at Kentucky. And Mark Stoops has done a great job in the portal. He's done everything he can. But there's a certain level you reach, and you're just not getting above that hump. And I think Kentucky has reached that level. And that doesn't mean they still can't win nine games a year, eight to nine games a year. And I think that's, that is what Mark Stoops has done, and that's been incredible, the consistency that he has had there. Some would argue he's got the best job in the world because he doesn't have the pressure on him of a of a program where you're expected to win championships. They're okay with eight to nine wins a year. I think they'll respond well, and I think they'll beat Missouri at home this weekend. Arkansas and Alabama. I think Alabama will win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama rolled in this game. This Arkansas defense has been really poor again this season. They do have a very good offense, but they're facing an Alabama defense that is stout. This is a very good Alabama defense. I think they'll slow down K.J. Jefferson. So not going to take too long on this pick. I like Bama, and I like Bama big in this one. I do hate it because it certainly seems like the writing may be on the wall for Sam Pittman, the way things are going for the Hogs so far this season. 
and he seemed like a perfect fit for the Razorbacks. He had a really good first season there, second season even, but then things have started to, to go downhill these last two years for, for Arkansas. So don't, don't like the way things are trending there for them this week in Tuscaloosa. Oregon at Washington. This is a huge game. Neither, as I mentioned, neither have faced real tough competition so far this season. Both are ranked inside the AP Top 10. And this will go a long way in determining who makes it to the Pac-12 championship game and will set them in a good spot for the college football playoff as well. You've got Bo Nix on one side. You've got Michael Penix on the other. Two of the best quarterbacks in college football. It's at Washington, but I like Oregon. The reason I like Oregon is because of their defense. Michael Penix is not going to be easy to stop, but I think Dan Lanning and this Oregon offense will be able to slow, and this Oregon defense will be able to slow them down enough, and they'll be able to score enough points. I still think it'll be a high-scoring game, but I think Oregon's defense is the key here. When you got great offenses on both sides, I think both offenses are equal. In, in what they can do as far as scoring points goes. So what's going to be the difference? It's going to be, it could be turnovers. It's something like if, if Oregon loses turnover battle or if Washington loses turnover battle, that can obviously flip a game. But also in a even, completely even match game, which I think this will be, I think Oregon has the edge defensively. That's enough to overcome being on the road at Washington in a huge rivalry. This is a big rivalry game for these two teams. I like Oregon. Very much looking forward to this game. That That's going to be a real fun one. USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame had five turnovers last week and lost to Louisville. This is going to sound weird, but Notre Dame's schedule has been brutal. They had to play Ohio State at home. Then they had to travel to Duke, who is a top 25 team. Then they had to travel to Louisville, who is a top 25 team and undefeated. It's tough. That is a brutal three, four-game stretch, and now you return home to play USC. There was no way that there wasn't going to be a letdown in there. That letdown happened against Louisville, and they, like I said, five turnovers in that one. Could not run the ball. But then USC comes in here. You're going to face the arguably the best offense in college football. Notre Dame's defense is still really good. Louisville's offense didn't do that much. But but when you turn the ball over five times, they don't have to. So I'm going to pick Notre Dame. And again, that's going to sound weird if you watched last week's game because of how they performed. But I think backs against the wall, they'll respond well being back at home. They'll score on USC's defense because who hasn't? I know I picked USC to win the national championship. I'm trying to forget that. If I could change it, I certainly would because somehow, somehow this USC defense seems to have gotten worse. I don't know how, and it's a shame because, again, they are wasting one of the greatest college football players we've ever seen in Caleb Williams in a dynamic offense. So I, I do I do hate it for them and that fan base that their defense is as bad as it is. And because of that, I'm going to go Notre Dame. If they can slow this USC offense down some, if they can run the ball well, they absolutely have to run the ball and control the clock. I believe they will. They do that. They'll, they'll upset USC this weekend at home. And then finally, I said I'd circle back to the Auburn-LSU game. I do think LSU is going to win this game. As I mentioned from the get-go, I don't like the matchup for Auburn. I do think finally the defense is going to give up a lot this weekend. And again, nothing against this Auburn defense. I think it has more to do with just how good 
this LSU offense is. And I hope to see a better offensive performance this weekend. I do think we will. I do think it all, this offense will score more. But I think in the end, you're looking at a high 30s to low 20s type of finish, a 38-24 type of game right along with the spread. Spread's about two touchdowns. I think that's how you'll see this game play out. But I hope I'm wrong. It will be incredible to win back-to-back games in Baton Rouge. This rivalry will not be played next year, and that is sad. This has been a great one, but that's part of conference realignment. So you won't have this game next year. So this 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 game this weekend, you'll have to enjoy it because it'll have to hold you over for a few years. Thank you all for listening live or on podcast. We'll be back next weekend with another full show. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.